if you haven't heard, the Big East is for real. And this past weekend, all but proved it. I'll talk about all the results that happened across the weekend, including, you know, some big rivalry wins and just big wins in general. And of course, how those wins carried over into the latest AP poll and beyond. As I'm covering that all now here on this new edition of the Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. Again, this is the men's portion. I got the women covered tomorrow and, you know, there was a lot that went on over the weekend on the women's side as well. I'll get to that tomorrow on the next episode. But as for today, over the weekend in the Big East, you know, teams got theirs. One team that got theirs in terms of, you know, getting a big road win to get some respect were the DePaul Blue Demons. Granted, it's against Louisville, which, you know, ever since, you know, Jordan Wara and all those guys left after the 2020 season, you know, that Louisville team was most likely going to be a Sweet 16 team. Last year, they barely missed the tournament. They kind of played themselves out of it, if I'm being honest. But DePaul going into the KFC Yum Center and picking up a 62-55 win, that is a statement win for DePaul. You know, DePaul got a good win against Rutgers in November. But in their first road test of the year, to go into Louisville and get a win. What a statement for Tony Stubblefield and company. And something I also want to worth also want to mention, I mean, so I did some research. Because I saw this sign in the crowd that said, Happy DePaul Day. And basically the whole story about that was, they called DePaul Day because anytime they play DePaul, it's an automatic W. Well, DePaul Day is canceled. And the man responsible for canceling that was David Jones. A monster night. For the sophomore from the Dominican Republic. 36 minutes played. 33 points. 14 rebounds. 15 of 22 from the floor. 3 for 8 from 3. Scored over half of the Blue Demons points. And really carried them to this win. And they were able to overcome a very slow night from Javon Freeman Liberty, who only had eight points on two of 15 shooting to go with six rebounds and just two assists. Nick Ongenda, four for 10 from the floor, eight points, nine boards. And he blocked eight shots. Good God. Brandon Johnson, five points and nine boards. Phil Montgebrowit only had three points on one of three shooting. All th- all those attempts came from behind the arc. But Jalen Terry, the Oregon transfer, with five points, five boards off the bench and played 26, 27 minutes, excuse me. So really, I mean, Jones really carried this team to a win. Because outside of him, They were just 9 for 44 from the floor and 3 for 20 from 3. So if I do the math right, that's barely north of 20% shooting from the field and 15% from 3. But hey, a win is a win and you got to get it any way you possibly can. Leading the way for the Cardinals though, Malik Williams, 22 points, 8 boards, 10 of 15 shooting, 2 for 5 from 3. 
11 from Matt Cross to go with six rebounds. Credit to Paul's defense, very good in this game, holding the Cardinals to just 31% shooting. Both teams really didn't shoot the three well at just 21%. Meanwhile, Louisville got six each from Dre Davis and Noah Locke, and five from Jared West. Just five combined points from the bench, three from Mason Faulkner, and just two from L. Ellis. So how about DePaul's statement win for Tony Stubblefield and his very first road game as head coach of the Blue Demons? Now, rivalry renewed in the nation's capital, and it looked like Syracuse was going to steamroll their way through this game as they led by double digits at halftime. But Georgetown, they know the significance of this game. They know how much this means to the fan base. And they did not go away. And they came back on the backs of their star freshman, Aminu Muhammad. And the Hoyas stunned the Orange 79-75. By the way, the jersey matchup could not have been any better. Syracuse with those script throwback orange jerseys, which, by the way, they haven't won in those jerseys this year, and that includes, you know, the home version of those in white. But Georgetown going with those black AI-era throwbacks, mm, thing of beauty. So, Muhammad, 23 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 7 for 14 from the floor, made his only 3-point attempt. Donald Carey was great in this game, too. 18 points, 4 for 7, all from 3-point land, and was 6 for 6 from the free-throw line, including two big free-throws that ended up icing the game. But how about the timely shooting of Caden Rice? Not the best shooting night at 5 for 15 with all of his attempts coming from three-point land, which, I mean, that's bewildering. But he did have 15 points, made five three-pointers, and he made two really big three-pointers when the Hoyas really needed them. And they were able to overcome, you know, just seven points from Dante Harris but he did grab seven rebounds and dish out six assists. Colin Holloway was great off the bench. Ten points on five of seven shooting in 21 minutes. Ryan Matumbo chipped in four. And starting center Malcolm Wilson, just two points, made his only field goal attempt in 13 minutes. As for the Orange, Buddy Bayheim led the way with 17, but was seven of 18 from the floor, three for seven from behind the arc. Joe Girard with 15 to go with three boards and seven assists. And by the way, I mean, Joe Girard is a career, you know, around 90% free throw shooter. And Girard got an and one with 10 seconds to go that put him down 77-75. And, you know, if he makes a free throw, you know, no matter what, Georgetown will only be up one position if he makes it. But he misses the free throw. Mohammed got the rebound. And then calmly sank two shots that ended up sealing the deal for the Hoyas. So Gerard, 5-13 from the floor, 2-for-8 from 3. Jesse Edwards with 12 to go with 8 rebounds and 2 block shots. Jimmy Bayheim Jr., 10 points, 4 boards, 2 assists. Just 5-for-14 from the floor. And Edwards, by the way, was 6-for-7. Cole Swider, former Villanova Wildcat, 12.7 boards, 6 assists. 3 for 10 from 3 and 3 for 11 from the floor. 
They got some shocking, at, uh, you know, contributions like from Frank Anselm. Ten minutes played, scored five points. It was two for three from the floor. And they got two points each from the freshman Benny Williams and then the Marquette transfer in Syracuse native Samir Torrance. So Syracuse just 30.8% from three. But Georgetown, though, you know, they really got the timely three-point shooting that they needed, shooting 42% from behind the arc, making 11 threes on 26 attempts, and was 25 for 55 from the floor. And free throws was really another big difference maker, maybe the biggest difference maker. 18 for 21 compared to Syracuse going 7 for 11. So Georgetown over 500, Syracuse down to 5 and 5 at 500. Big win for the Hoyas. Speaking of big wins, Creighton eviscerated 24th-ranked BYU at the Sanford Pentagon in South Dakota, 83-71. And Creighton was up 18 at halftime, 48-30, led by as many as 21 in this game. And leading the way and also getting a signature poster dunk was Ryan Hawkins, 25 points, 8 boards, 10 for 18 from the floor, Four for eight from three. 17 from Ryan Nemhard, although he did foul out. But how about this? Ryan Nemhard, through his first 10 career games, most points of anyone in their first 10 career games, as a freshman, that is, in Creighton history. And yeah, even more than Doug McDermott. They got 15 from Alex O'Connell, 14 points and 9 rebounds on 6 of 7 shooting, along with 5 blocks from Ryan Kalkbrenner. Only 4 from Arthur Kaluma, who got all of his points from the free throw line, but 4 each from Roddy Andronikashvili and Trey Alexander. And it's pretty good that, you know, Andronikashvili is getting a lot more minutes. You know, he's earned them. As for BYU, I mean, it was really Alex Barcelo and nobody else. 28 points, 11 for 20 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3. You know, they got 13 from Seneca Knight, but not really much outside of outside of that for many of the other starters. And they got 14 combined points from the bench. You know, Gideon George had 5. Fuseni Traore had 4. Three from Hunter Erickson and just two from Spencer Johnson. So Creighton, because of that, you know, they ended up getting one top 25 vote. But the Blue Jays, the young Blue Jay squad is now eight and two. How about Providence, though? They got their 10th win of the season Saturday as they throttled Central Connecticut State 68-53. And Providence, they led by as many as 29 in this game. The Blue Devils never led. A.J. Reeves with 17 points to lead the way for the Friars to go with nine boards and seven assists. A very good all-around game for the senior. Justin Manaya getting the start, scored 14 points. Noah Horkler a double-double, 12 points, 10 rebounds. So Manaya got the start over Alan Breed, but Manaya was really great. Six for six from the floor, made both of his three-point attempts to go to, to finish with those 14 points. Nate Watson, 29 minutes, eight points, nine rebounds on four of eight shooting. Al Durham, not as 
best game, 3 for 11 from the field, 8 points, 5 boards, 3 assists. Ed Croswell with 5 points off the bench, 2 each off the bench from Alan Breed and Bryson Gooding. As for Central Connecticut State, their league scorer came off the bench, and that was Trey Mitchell with 15 points in 26 minutes. And no Blue Devil was in double figures from the starters, that is, as they only got 9 each from Jaden Brown and Nigel Scandlebury. So how about those Friars, 10-1, and one, and finally getting some respect in the polls as you know they were only three spots out of making the top 25. In the Never Forget Tribute Classic in Newark, 15th-ranked UConn was able to stave off St. Bonaventure 74-64, and they used a big second-half run to pull away. And the, the run that UConn went on, they were down 39-36. They went on a 13-0 run to get the lead to double digits. And the Huskies, they led by as many as 13 in this game. And RJ Cole led the way, 15 points, 5 boards and 3 assists. 5 of 15 shooting, 1 of 7 from 3 isn't really great. A cook, a cook was great though. 12 points, 5 boards, 2 for 2 from 3, 5 for 6 from the floor. Jordan Hawkins, 11 points, 3 of 9 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3. And he only played 20 minutes. And Isaiah Whaley played only 21, and he had about foul trouble. 5 points on the night only, and was 2 for 3 from the field. Andre Jackson, 9 points, 11 boards, and 5 assists, and was perfect from the field at 3 for 3. But off the bench, how about the big contributions they got from Tyler Polly and Jalen Gaffney? Polly with 13 on 4 of 12 shooting and 3 for 8 from 3. Gaffney, 2 for 9 from the floor, not a great shooting night, but he did finish with 9 points, 5 boards, and 4 assists. So the Huskies now 9-2 and two entering conference play. and But they did fall to number 20 in the poll thanks to their loss at West Virginia earlier in the week. Butler hosting Eastern Illinois. The Bulldogs get the win 66-54. You know, they had their chances to pull away. They were up as many as 21 in this game. But the Dogs take it thanks to a 20-point effort from Bryce Golden on 8 of 10 shooting and made both of his three-point attempts. Aaron Thompson, 14 points, 5 boards, 10 assists on 4 of 8 shooting. Jair Bolden, just 10 points, 4 for 11 from the field, 2 for 7 from 3. Ty Gross... Scored eight points. Jaden Taylor with seven. And then not really much from the bench. Just seven combined bench points. And Miles Tate, welcome back uh, for Miles Tate. You know, he suffered that gruesome ACL injury in March. But played his first game of this season. Played four minutes. Missed his only shot of the game. Meanwhile, for Eastern Illinois, off the bench leading the way with 12 points with C.J. Lane. They also got 10 off the bench from... Paul Bizimana, leading starter for Eastern Illinois, was Dan Lures with 11. And by the way, you know, I didn't even talk about St. Bonaventure in terms of, you know, what they did. Um, leading the way was Jaron Holmes with 19. They got 14 from Jalen Attaway. 10 from Osun, Os- from Osun Osini. 15 from Dominic Welch. But they only played seven and only got two points from the bench combined. And 
Again, all of them came from Abdul Karim Koulibaly. But let's talk about the Crosstown Shootout, shall we? Arguably the best inner-city rivalry in all of college basketball. Definitely one of the best non-conference rivalries in college hoops as well. I'd argue to say it's a top-five rivalry in the sport. But Seton Hall, but, but excuse me, Xavier. Ugh, sorry about that. Please don't get mad at me. But Xavier, they crushed Cincinnati 83-63, led by as many as 27. And the guy that led the way, an all-time great performance from Jack Nungy. 31 points, 15 rebounds off the bench. 9 for 14 from the floor, 2 for 4 from distance. They also got 12 off the bench from Adam Kunkel, who was 2 for 5 from 3 and 4 for 8 from the floor. You know, Xavier won this game handily despite only making five three-pointers. Only five. Colby Jones had eight points. Only two from Jerome Hunter. Nate Johnson struggled. He only had three points. Paul Scruggs was good, though. 14 points, five boards, and five assists on five of 11 shooting. And Zach Fremantle off the bench, you know, he got two technicals and was sent off. But in 23 minutes, eight points and four rebounds to go with two assists, two on three of five shooting. And Juan Odom had five points as well. In a bizarre turn of events, UCLA had some travel issues. And they couldn't get into Milwaukee in time for the 2.30 tip. So they instead played at 9.30 Eastern over on FS2, which was absolute bullshit. Like, you're telling me that you have to show reruns of 911 Lone Star? Mom? And I can see your voice? Really? Like, get the fuck out of here. But anyways, UCLA wins the game 67-56. And UCLA, you know, they led by as many as 23. So credit Marquette for not giving up and, you know, making this a game towards the end. But obviously by then it was too little too late. Jaime Jaquez, 24 points, 11 boards, 7 for 16 from the floor, and 3 for 5 from 3. They got 12 each from Johnny Juzang and Tiger Campbell. And for Campbell, he dished out eight assists. Seven from Miles Johnson to go with eight rebounds. Only five from Jules Bernard. And they got seven combined points off the bench from Jalen Clark and David Singleton. As for Marquette, they were led by a big performance off the bench from Greg Elliott. 25 minutes played, 22 points, seven for 12 from the field, and six for nine from three. So, what's wild, the rest of the Golden Eagles were just 2 for 24 from distance and 12 for 45 from the floor. Leading the way for the starters for Marquette, Justin Lewis, 12 points, 9 boards, 11 from Daryl Morcel. Tyler Kolick, again, scoreless in this game, although he did pass out 7 assists. And not really much from anybody else, really. So Marquette falls to eight and three, UCLA up to eight and one. So fourth ranked Bruins, you know, they sweep the home and home as they won at Pauley Pavilion a year ago. Now on Sunday, St. John's hosting Colgate. And the Red Storm, you know, they were in control for most of the game. You know, Colgate, you know, crazy thing is they they had they were led by as many as six points. At twelve to six, but it was early in the game. But St. John's, they led by as many as twenty three. Red Storm win 82-64, led by 19 points from Julian Champagny. 5 for 7 from 3, 7 for 12 from the floor. 
15 from Pasha Alexander, 7 boards, 4 assists. Dylan Adaiwusu with 10 points. Only 4 for Montez Mathis, but off the bench, how about the freshman Rafael Pinzone? 14 points, 6 of 8 shooting, 2 for 4 from 3. They also got 7 each off the bench from Aaron Wheeler and Steph Smith, and 6 from Omar Stanley. 10 three-pointers on the night for St. John's. On 25 attempts, good for 40%. Colgate made 13 of them, albeit on 35 attempts. And St. John's, 47.3% from the floor. A very efficient night. Leading the way for the Raiders, Jack Ferguson with 23 points, 8 of 15 from the field, and 7 for 14 from 3. They got 11 from Keegan Records and 10 from Oliver Lynch-Daniels. Also, 7 from Tucker Richardson and... And five from Ryan Moffitt. And leading the way off the bench with eight was Nicholas Louis Jock. And arguably the biggest game for any Big East team this weekend. Six-ranked Villanova visiting second-ranked Baylor. And Baylor put the clamps on the Cats. For a Villanova team to score 36 points in an entire game, I, I think it's unheard of. We kind of thought Baylor would win this game, but to dominate like they did and holding Villanova to just 36 points, I don't think anyone would have expected that. And guess who led led the way for the Bears? A familiar face. James Akinjo, the former Georgetown Hoya. 16 points, 7 boards, 5 assists, 6 of 15 from the field, 2 for 7 from 3. They got 10 from Adam Flagler. Only three from Matthew Mayer at the beginning of the game, and then four from Kendall Brown, the freshman. But off the bench, they got 24 combined points, nine from Jeremy Sochan, eight from LJ Cryer, and seven from Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. I'm shocked I said that right in the first try. But anyways, for Villanova, it was really Justin Moore, and that was it. Five for 14 from the floor, two for six from three, 15 points, six boards. They only got six each from Colin Gillespie and Caleb Daniels. Only five from Eric Dixon and just two points each from Brandon Slater and Jermaine Samuels. And Villanova as a team shot 22% from the field. They got out rebound. Okay, the rebounding margin, I thought it was way worse. I mean, 42-35 is not horrible. But I mean, Baylor shot 39% from the floor. And for again, for Villanova to shoot 22% from the field and only score 36 points, bewildering and Villanova drops to number nine in the rankings and bear in mind Villanova their three losses have come against the teams that are ranked one three and four in the latest AP poll and then finally the Garden State Harbor Classic 23rd ranked Seton Hall hosting Rutgers there's a lot of animosity coming into this game and Seton Hall really you know Came out with a lot of fire. Rutgers tried their best to, you know, sub- subdue that, but it was a 14-0 run after the score had been tied at 23 with 418 left of the first half that really propelled Seton Hall to a victory. And for the Pirates, you know, they led by as many as 16 in this game. They go on to win by 14. 77-63 the final. Bryce Aiken 
the MVP of this game, 22 points off the bench, 7 of 12 from the field, 3 for 7 from 3, including, you know, a 3-pointer, you know, during that, that capped off the 14-0 run that really sent this crowd into a frenzy. And, you know, he was hitting some bombs, too, in this game, especially one late in the second half. But also for Seton Hall, you know, again, we talk about balance. They had four other players in double figures. 16 from Jared Roden to go with nine rebounds. Six of 17 from the field wasn't great, but from the free throw line, he was masterful at four for five. And as a team, Seton Hall was 18 for 22. They got 12 from Kadari Richmond, all of which came in the first half. It was five for nine from the floor, made his only three-point attempt. You know, the first half was Kadari's, but then it was Bryce Aiken who took over in the second half. And they got 10 each from Alexis Yetna and Miles Kale. Yetna, seven boards and four assists. And for Kale, again, his 10 points only came on seven field goal attempts and was one for four from three. Leading the way for Rutgers, they got 13 each from Cliff Amori and Caleb McConnell. McConnell had 12 rebounds in this game. They got 11 off the bench from Geo Baker, who missed the game against Purdue due to illness. He was in 27 minutes, 4 for 11 from the field, 1 for 6 from 3. Rutgers as a team was just 4 for 18 from 3, whereas Seton Hall 5 for 21. And we all thought Ron Harper Jr. was going to have to lead the way for Rutgers if they had a chance at winning this game. But credit Seton Hall, they put the clamps on him. Just 10 points on 3 of 12 shooting, 1 for 4 from 3. Also worth noting, Mawat Mag with 8 points on 4 of 9 shooting. And their starting point guard, Paul Mulcahy, just 1 point on the night, no assists, and he had been leading the team in assists coming into the game. So, Seton Hall, after the rivalry took a year off, the Pirates avenged that ugly loss in the last meeting where they lost by 20 in the rack. Well, now Jersey Mike's Arena. Again, Seton Hall, your winner, 77-63. Now, coming up next... Only a handful of non-conference games coming up. Only four games coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. Two games a pop on those days. And then guess what? Conference play starts on Friday. Uh, But, you know, obviously that's a ways down the line. But coming up next, I'll just make my quick midweek picks for Tuesday and Wednesday's action. Again, don't go away. You're listening to The Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. Welcome back, y'all. So, Tuesday and Wednesday slate, pretty short. I mean, there's only four games, two games each on Tuesday and Wednesday. So, starting with Tuesday, DePaul visiting UIC at 8 Eastern, so that's on ESPN+. I mean, I'm expecting the Blue Demons to go in, in there and beat the Flames. This UIC team is 3-6. Their only wins came in overtime at Valpo. They beat Trinity of Illinois, again, a non-D1 team, and then their most recent win came 
actually this past Saturday winning at Central Michigan. And they barely won and DePaul crushed Central Michigan. So I, I'm expecting DePaul to go in there and win big. Creighton hosting Arizona State. The Sun Devils are 4-6 and six on the year. And some of their losses have been pretty bad. They lost on that bomb from three-quarters court against UC Riverside back on Veterans Day. They lost a, a tight one at San Diego State. I mean, losing to Baylor obviously isn't the worst thing in the world. Loyal to Chicago was another loss. And then the worst of them all, really, was against Washington State a couple weeks ago, where they only scored 29 points. I'm not making that up. 29. Creighton wins this one easily. That should go without saying. Georgetown hosting Howard. I mean, I'm going to take the Hoyas in this one. You know, they got to keep stacking the momentum as they head into their final non-conference game of the year on Saturday, which is the final game of the Big East Big 12 battle as they face TCU. And for the Big East, you know, like I'll touch on it, you know, when the time comes, you know, Georgetown winning in that game against TCU, you know, it'll keep the momentum going, number one. And number two, it'll give the Big East the outright win in the Big Big East Big 12 battle. I mean, so I'm going to go with Georgetown beating Howard. And then this goes without saying 26, 22nd ranked Xavier. And I forgot to mention that, you know, because of... Just how well they've been playing, being 9-1. Xavier was unranked last week. Now they're at number 22, hosting Moorhead State. You know, Xavier's looked so damn good over the past few weeks, and I'm expecting more of the same. Xavier will crush Moorhead State. So, coming up on the next men's edition of the Igloo coming out on Thursday... I'm going to have a TCU-Georgetown preview with someone who covers Georgetown. Um, I, I don't want to disclose that immediately, uh, but you know, you'll know you find out over the next you know couple days who that will be. So TCU-Georgetown preview on that episode on Thursday. And of course, conference play starts Friday night. Villanova-Creighton on Friday night. And of course, you got Saturday, Marquette at Xavier, as well as Providence at UConn. So I'll preview those games and, of course, the rest of the weekend slate on the next episode of the Igloo. Again, that is on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that new new episode then. So until then, it's Timmy Ice signing off for the Igloo. Thank you for tuning in and tune in tomorrow for the women's, for the next women's episode of the Igloo, which, you know, there's a lot to cover, including Villanova upsetting Oregon State at home, led to led by, you know, a player whose presence they really missed, especially at JM, you know, when she played at JMU. Brilliant performance there, and another brilliant performance against the Beavers to lead the Cats to a big upset win. I'll talk about that, of course, all the other action from this past weekend around the Big East in women's hoops on tomorrow's edition of the Igloo, again, covering the women's side of the Big East, and then the next men's episode, again, as I mentioned, on Thursday, so be on the lookout then. So, 
Till next time, Timmy Ice signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you all have a great week, and I will catch most of you tomorrow.